This is Cardinal Francis George, and I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Father Barron will challenge us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the One who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents The Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, today we continue our reflection on this great season of Advent. Last week we heard about waiting, about watching. The first move, spiritually, is to admit that we are sinners in need of grace that we cannot lift ourselves up out of our spiritual problems, that we await a Savior. We heard the prophet Isaiah reminding us that we are like polluted rags, that our guilt carries us away like the wind. These are all means of overcoming our tendency toward denial. So let's assume that we're now in a position of admitting, yes, my pride has the best of me, my envy is the Lord of my life. My avarice has control over me, and I can't wrestle them to the ground. I need a Savior. Well, now, in the second week of Advent, as we get closer to Christmas, the Church begins to remind us in the readings that, yes, a Savior has come. The one we're looking for is coming. And now it'll begin to name and describe beautifully, lovingly, with a sense of, of joy, who this Savior is. Listen again to Isaiah, the great Advent figure of the Old Testament. Every valley shall be filled in. Every mountain and hill shall be made low. The rugged country, a broad valley. And then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Terrific. An image that's been picked up by spiritual writers and spiritual masters and preachers over the centuries. Friends, what's a basic mood of sin? Sin is separation. We are designed, destined for unity with God, just as the Father, Son, and Spirit live in a perfect and eternal community. They're connected. So the world was designed to be connected to God in love. We're designed to be the friends of God, the sons and daughters of God. What does sin feel like? It feels like the rupturing of a relationship. You know what that's like when you lose a friend, someone to whom you've been very close, and suddenly there's a rupture. There's a misunderstanding. There's a, a jealousy comes in, whatever it is, and that friendship is broken. Think of husbands and wives whose relationships have been shattered. Children alienated from their parents. Move into that feeling. That's what sin feels like. But the relationship in question is our relationship with Almighty God. The most basic and important relationship we have. That from which all the other ones come. When that relationship is ruptured, it feels like a terrible distanciation, alienation. Listen now again to Isaiah. 
Every valley shall be filled in, every mountain and hill made low, the rugged country a broad valley. Now why? So that a highway might be built to reconnect us to God. Look at this beautiful imagery. We're separate from God through sin, and then what yawns between us and God are all these obstacles. You know, valleys and hills and and, and blocks. Imagine someone now trying to make his way through this rugged country. How discouraging that becomes. Spiritually, how discouraging when I can't overcome what separates me from God. The good news is God is building a highway to reconnect us to him. Christians, this is Jesus Christ, who's now being announced even well in advance of his coming, being announced by Isaiah. He is the highway that connects us. He's the bridge over all these obstacles. Isn't that terrific? How does God come? Again, listen to Isaiah. Here comes with power the Lord God. Here comes with power the Lord God. Divine power is celebrated throughout the Bible. You see at the beginning, when God creates the heavens and the earth and all that they contain, God's power, it's his word goes forth and accomplishes what it sets out to do. That same power that made the universe and sustains it is the power that can reconnect us to God. Is the power of sin great? Yes, Is it too great for us? Yes, we saw that last week. To say otherwise is to be in denial. To say otherwise is to think we can save ourselves. So yes, the power of sin is great. But what is the good news of Advent? Listen now, Christians, God's power is greater. You're separated from God. You're alienated. You've lost your friendship. Okay, to admit that is good, healthy. But then to say, as I wait... There is a power greater than the power of sin. And if I surrender myself to it, my whole life can be revolutionized. Here comes with power the Lord God. That's Isaiah's good news here. Of course you can't do it. Good. I can't do it. But God can do it. God's power. I mentioned last week in those 12-step programs, turning your life over to a higher power is elemental. Well, here we see it, spiritually, to turn your life over to the higher power of God. Isaiah goes on. He rules with his strong arm. It's great images, aren't they? Robust, powerful images. What's salvation? It's allowing God to rule your life. He rules with his strong arm. What does God rule? Everything in you. What sin? Sin is to be unruly. You know what I'm saying? Is I'm not being ruled by God. My mind is doing its own thing. My will is off in its own direction. My powers follow my own ego. What's salvation? To allow the power of God to rule me. My mind is now ruled by God. It's in service of God. My will is surrendered to God's will. It's in service of that will. My powers are instruments of God's purposes. 
You know what St. Paul says? It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. That's what he's talking about. Christ is now ruling me with his strong arm. This is now the picture of salvation. I'm powerless, but Christ powerfully reigning in me can accomplish anything. Isaiah goes on now, listen. Here is his reward with him, his recompense before him. How much of our lives, how many of our lives are a constant quest for reward? Whether the reward is money, whether it's power, or whether it's fame, people think highly of me. That's my reward, my recompense. Much of my life is a quest for it. Isaiah is saying, don't waste your time. None of that is worth anything. The only reward and recompense that are worthwhile are the ones that come from God. That God rewards me, that God gives a recompense. How's it come? Through His grace, through His grace. Not because I've accomplished some great worldly good, but because God has wrapped me in the mantle of his justice. And God rewards me, gives me recompense. The church fathers talked about the admirable exchange that takes place between us and God. In Christ, God takes on our weakness and our sin. And in Christ, we take on his divinity. God became human, that humans might become God. The church fathers said that. It means we take on the power, the glory of God in Christ. That's his reward and recompense. Here's a last image from Isaiah, which is terrific. Like a shepherd, he feeds his flock. In his arms, he gathers the lambs. There's that shepherd image that Jesus, of course, picks up on. He's the good shepherd. Like a shepherd, he feeds his flock. In sin, when we are in the grip of pride and envy and anger and avarice and everything else, we look for food in all the wrong places. That's what it means. We look for food in all the wrong places. We try to feed our souls with worldly ambition. We try to feed our souls with the esteem of others. God coming into our life is now the good shepherd who will lead us to the right food. Where should we eat? From God's justice, from God's charity, from God's wisdom. That's the food for our souls. The shepherd will pick up the little sheep, the little lambs, and carry them to the food that they need. And so Christ picks us up and carries us where he wants us to be. That's what we're waiting for in Advent, is for this shepherd to come. Think of this, Christian. Sin is a loss of direction. Yes, it's alienation. It's a loss of friendship, intimacy with God. It's a loss of power. But here, it's a loss of direction. I don't know where to go. I now wait for the one, the shepherd, who will pick me up and carry me where I'm supposed to go. Now, the gospel for today which echoes Isaiah, is our first look at John the Baptist, who is the greatest of the New Testament Advent figures. 
He appears, and we hear him speaking, first of all, in the words and cadences of Isaiah. Quote, make ready the way of the Lord. Clear him a straight path. There's that old Isaiah image again, isn't it? We're separated. There's a gulf that yawns between us and God. Now, make a highway that God might come into your life. But notice some other details about John the Baptist. First of all, he appears in the desert. It's terrific. What did God make us for? A garden. The Garden of Eden. God wants us fully alive. What has sin done to us? Sin has created all around us a desert. Sin, being divorced from God, is a kind of lifelessness. John the Baptist stands in the desert because he is symbolic of this human predicament and the human longing for God from the desert. It's as though he reminds us, see, overcoming our denial, he reminds us of who we are and where we are, what our predicament is, our need for grace. I don't care how many homes you have, how many cars, how much money, how much esteem you have. You are in the desert. Because you're a sinner like I am. We're in the desert. And John the Baptist reminds us of this. Secondly, we hear how he's clothed. John was clothed in camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist. He's in none of the finery of the world. His ego is covered up by none of these fancy disguises. Rather, he lives in utter simplicity and humility, stripped down. So we as Advent people are stripped down. We realize our neediness. We take away all that covers up our sin. Finally, what's his food? Grasshoppers and wild honey. None of the finery of the world going into his mouth. None of the distractions of the sensual life, but living in this kind of utter simplicity and poverty. John embodying and acting out our position as sinners. And with us waiting, watching, looking for the coming of the one who can and will save us. God bless. I hope that you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you. To purchase copies of The Word on Fire, call 847-297-4360. That's 847-297-4360.